procure saber onde estou Se o meu jeito te surpreende Se o meu corpo virasse só Minha, minha mente virasse só Mas só chove, chove Chove, chove Alright, this is the 2000s for you Not the 2000s, the 2000 Year 2000 millennium a brand new crime for you guys. Y2K. Who remembers it? Y2K and the fucking buses. This is what this episode is. Yep. This is part two What's of the saga, name? I guess. No, I'm introducing the case first. Then us. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. Every time. Okay, now you spoil it. My name's Carol. <laughs> <laughs> that was wrong. My name is Stephanie. No, I need to say it right. I'm Carol. Okay. I'm Stephanie. Okay. Another very serious case. This one's a little less serious than the other one because it's not a massacre, but it's still deaths. And it's still really um, sad and complicated. So we're talking about the a hostage crisis here. The case that became known as the Bus 174 hostage crisis. So we recommend that you listen to our um the first episode, you know, it's a whole another case, but it is background information for this uh, case to figure, you know, not figure out, but to know, you know, a little bit about the context of anything that's happening. Yeah. So uh, I want to give cre credit to where credits do uh, documentaries that I watched on the bus 174 behind the cameras and also the live news coverage done by global news stories by Fantástico, Jornal Nacional and Adiga and articles by G1 and of course Wikipedia for names, dates and such. This episode's not sponsored by Global, even though everything I watched was global basically. Yeah. This case is super crazy. I remember um well obviously as a child when this happened. Um I remember this case being on the news all the time, but I had no idea about Candelaria at all. And it was only, I think it was only after Carol said something about it that I like linked yeah. the two things. Yeah. Because I like, I had no clue because I have never seen uh, the documentaries on this case. Um, I only remember seeing the live footage, but like I never researched mm -hmm. it really, to be honest, until... We decided to do this episode. I didn't even know that mm -hmm. there was a death in this case. I thought it was just a hostage situation. Yeah, and the live footage is not that it, I mean, it wasn't the most interesting thing. You know what I mean? Like, what's interesting mm -hmm. about this case is the background and the motives and the people that are, you know, inside of the bus. This is what colors the showcase. It's not, you know, because I'm not going to say, that, like, the crazy things that happen in this. Most of them were not inside of the bus. Yeah. So this is very similar to one of the cases that is actually my favorite case of all time. True crime oh, anywhere. Yeah. I know exactly what she's talking about. Yeah, which is the big one for me. And I want to set a date for that one. How about the 50th episode? As a marker. We do that one on the 50th. Because, guys... I don't want to spoil anything, but that this one, it's similar in a lot of aspects. But that one, I feel like it's a little worse, even. 
Because it went on for longer. Yeah, and I yeah. feel like, I don't know if it's because when, that, when Carol's big case happened, I was already a teenager. Yeah, me. Uh, I don't know if it's because of that, but I feel like they made it sound like a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. No, it's not to say that this case. yeah this one was a big situation too you know but you guys but are gonna it wasn't see as big they didn't really believe that the guy was gonna do something bad mm-hmm. i feel so we're speculating as if you guys know anything about the case right so let's um get to it okay so the person we're talking about uh surrounding this whole case is sandro barbosa do nascimento he was born in São Gonçalo, Rio de Janeiro, on June 7, 1978. His biological father split as soon as he found out that his mom was pregnant. So, Sandro's mom. So, the kid was raised by his mom, Clarice, his aunt, Julieta, and his grandmother, Elsa. They so, all have beautiful names. I know, right? Yeah. Like, you don't hear a lot, like... You hear a lot of like nasty old people <laughs> names back in the like, especially because his mom was probably born in the fifties or yeah, something. Yeah, fifty-three. Yeah. Yeah. So. Great information, Carol. So his mom worked at a bar, and one day late at night, three men came in and stabbed her on the back, right in front of Sandro. Oh. She was able to drag herself out to the sidewalk with the knife still lodged on her back, but no one was there to hear her screams. So she fell on her back, making the knife go even deeper inside her, and that eventually killed her. Sandro witnessed the whole thing, and he was only eight years old at the time. Oh my god. Yeah. So he went to live with his aunt for a little while, but eventually he ran away and became one of Rio's many many homeless kids. Some of you have already seen the connection that's going to happen, but uh, Candelaria happened when he was 13 and he was one of the kids that were there that night so here she is again it was at Candelaria that he met one of the only positive influences that he had on his life Ivoni the social worker who bonded him and became like a mother figure to him so we talked about Ivoni on the last episode she was a social worker that would work with the kids and she had a close relationship with all of them So she says that as a kid, he was really quiet and in need of affection. And on the pictures of the aftermath of the case of Candelaria, he appears around her, like hugging her really close to her at all times. So that's interesting to see. Yeah, because if you see the pictures of that night, uh, as we said, she was really involved with the kids. She literally sat down and like all the kids were hugging her. Exactly. It's like a beautiful scene, but like tragic at the same time. Yeah, because, reminder, this, these kids don't have anyone, you know? It's this social worker that would maybe spend a few hours of them, like, a week or a day, and that was, you know, their positivity. So, Sandra really never learned how to read or write, and he became known on the streets as Mancha, or Spot, Smudge, Stain, uh, translation of the word Mancha. He became a drug, act, a drug addict really early on his life and turned to crime to maintain his cocaine addiction. He would constantly be in and out of juvie and I had the impression that those were really the only times that his family got to see him, you know? Because it's not like the family wasn't trying to get him out of homeless and stuff, but he was not... He didn't want to be helped. I had the impression. Mm-hmm. So by 21, he had been sentenced to three years in prison for 
uh, armed robbery. And he was on the run when this event surrounding this episode happened. So, yeah. He was only 21, you guys. Yeah. And he had already seen all this shit. I mean, I think all that happening to just one person would fuck anyone up. Anyone. You see your mom getting murdered and you see, like... What is essentially your street, your, your friends, your family. Like, he called the kids that were murdered, like, my little brothers from Candelaria, like, being murdered, like, right in front of him. And him being one of the survivors, like, he is still, it's, it's, yeah, like, talk about survivor's guilt. Yeah, exactly. He could have been stabbed when his mom was killed. He could have been killed when the boys and, uh, no, they were all boys. There were girls there, but they weren't killed. Mm-hmm. Um and he survived both things which is crazy yeah so june 12th 2000 valentine's day in brazil yeah little after 2 p.m armed with a 38 caliber gun sandra got in the back of the 174 bus with another passenger who signaled to the driver that sandra was armed sandra jumped um the um what's the name what are those things called Oh my god. Remember, we talked about buses here already. You know how when you go to the subway here, you have to like scan your ticket and you go through a thing? The spinny- it's sort of like that. It's like a gate, but yeah. like it's a, a spinning gate type of thing. So it, in Brazil, if you missed our bus episode, <laughs> so in Brazil, you have the driver and there is the uh, uh, seating for like disabled and pregnant women. Mm-hmm. Uh, right in right next to the driver because those people don't pay uh the they don't pay the bus fare senior citizens also sit there and then after that you have the little gate and right next to the little gate is someone collecting the bus fare Mm -hmm. so it's not like here in boston where you just pay the machine next to the driver i don't know how it is in florida Mm -hmm. Uh, and in other states but there is someone who actually physically collects the Mm -hmm. money and there's a gate that you go through once you paid for your fare i mean in sao paulo there is the guy there just in case you're paying with money but there is like a machine that you can like put your uh, bus card yeah 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 but still like i had the impression that on this specific bus uh there are either two entrances or uh, only a machine or, like, just a spinny thing, like, on the back. And the guy that would take the money was on the front with the bus driver. You oh, know? Really? Yeah. oh, well, it's in Rio, but, like, because there's different types of buses in Brazil mm-hmm. also. Yeah, because the... So, I don't know. Yeah, the bus driver, like, specifically says, like, yeah, he got in on the back of the bus and then he came into the front. Yeah, you know? I think I think buses in Rio, I think in buses in Rio, people get in through the back yeah. and then they get out on the front. I'm not sure. Real people tell me. <laughs> yeah, tell so me. I've never been basically, in a basically long story sh- yeah. <laughs> long story short. He jumped the little spinning gate, walked to the front of the bus, and sat right behind the driver, Jose Fernandes, who had been driving that same bus line for twelve years. He thought that Sandra was going to sit there and wait for the bus to fill up so he could rob uh, people. Because that's a very common mm-hmm. thing. Like, uh, people will pose as passengers, and next thing you know, they're going to be like, hey, it's a robbery. Yeah. Give me all your money. They steal from which, everyone on the bus and just leave. That is really common. Yeah. Which this has happened to my best friend, and she was talking to me on WhatsApp. So we were texting <gasps> each other, shit. and she goes, 
hey, I think there's someone robbing this bus right now. And I was like, what? And she goes, yeah, I'm seeing people giving their phones to this guy. So I'm going to hide my phone. And she hid her phone. And then I was like, oh, my God, what the fuck? And then like maybe an hour later, she was like, dude, you're not going to believe this. He asked everybody for their phones, but he didn't ask me and he left. I was like, great. Yeah. Oh, man. And I think that's been happening in Brazil also, at least in my Mm -hmm. hometown, Belo Horizonte. My cousin told me this. Her dad's a cop. So he's always Mm -hmm. like, oh, blah, 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 be very careful. Uh, But (laughs) girls are starting to put their cell phones inside their underwear. So that Mm -hmm. before they get on the bus. So that way, if they get on the bus and the guy asks for your phone, you well, don't I don't have, have my phone. Yeah. But the robbers are catching up to it because they started pulling girls' pants down <gasps> to make sure that they didn't have phones. Holy and shit. there was one instance in Belo, I think it was Belo Horizonte or like one town in Minas Gerais, where the girl, like he pulled her pants down and she had like a shitty phone. So the guy beat her up because she didn't have like... An expensive yeah. enough phone. Yeah. I mean, I have put my phone in my underwear before. And, I mean, it, uh, I wouldn't be able to do it with mine now because I have, like, a pot socket. But still, like, if someone asked for my phone, like, robbing, I would not give it to them. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not worth it because I know that there's a risk, you know? Like, Brazil, guys, it's... People advise you not to like go around with less than like a hundred bucks in your wallet just in case you get robbed so people so the um people don't get mad that you don't have enough money you know what i mean and like i'm sure there has been people that were killed because they didn't have enough money on their wallets when they were you know robbed so it's really complicated but let's not get into that i guess yeah so back to the story Passengers quickly noticed that Sandra was armed and signaled to a police car passing by that there was a situation in the bus. They followed the bus and signaled for them to stop. José stopped at the first place he could, at the corner of Doutor Neves da Rocha and Jardim Botânico, 350 meters from the bus stop had, um, where Sandro had gotten in. So it didn't take like long at all. He yeah. was maybe in the bus for two seconds. Not at all. Yeah. The police asked Sandro to get out of the bus, and that's when he gets his first hostage, hostage, Janaina, who was sitting on the front of the bus, and he dragged her to the back. So, José, the driver, says that he didn't even have to think about it. He gets, he goes, he gets out of the bus by the window. The uh, charging guy also follows, and a few passengers are able to do the same. A police officer managed manages to briefly get inside of the bus, but he decides to leave. And, you know, at the end of this first moment, there are 10 hostages on the bus. In the bus, sorry. So, I couldn't really find a good comprehensive list of, like, everyone's names, you know? Like, you can see everyone's faces and stuff, but uh, I want to focus on three of the people. So you have Janaina, right? But there's not much about Janaina. I know that Janaina went on like some TV shows and stuff, but I couldn't really find any footage of that to see like who she was. So the people that I was able to find a lot about are Luana. She was 19, a student at Puki, a famous university in Rio. She was on the way to an internship when she got on the bus that day. 
So also Jeza Firmo Gonçalves, who was 21, she was from the Northeast and worked as a art teacher at the Rocinha Favela. She was two months pregnant at the time and was there with her mom, Damiana. So Damiana and Jeza, they were not uh, like biological mother and daughter, but that doesn't really matter. Like they had a mom and, you know, daughter relationship. So the three of them didn't really usually take so all these three people they didn't usually take the uh 174 bus route but when they saw that their habitual line the 170 was packed and they saw the 174 coming right you know right after and legit empty they just decided to go like everybody saw the two buses going together and the 170 was filled and the 174 was not packed so they just got in so they could sit down and stuff so, yeah, the police start surrounding the areas and barricading it. Uh, so they barricaded like a 150 meter radio, radius around the bus uh, to help keep like people away. But it didn't really like it was more for the traffic. Mm-hmm. So it barely curbed foot traffic. So from minute one, even... Basically, from minute one, there was press and people right outside the bus just looking at what's happening. And the that uh, first moment, people were really close, like inches away from the bus, basically. So what does that mean when you have press right at the scene from when it starts? It means that uh, right from the get-go, the tragedy is being live streamed to millions of people and guys not recommended let me just go ahead and say that entertaining yes but totally not recommended not superior approved okay don't do that just don't okay so the reporters state that their impression was that sandro was more interested on the press that was there than on the police. So the press was all condensed in one area on one side of the bus and the police on the other side. So his back was to the police most of the time. So Luciana Carvalho, one of the host hostages, is made to sit at the driver's seat and to attempt to drive the bus. But she's not a bus driver and he has no idea how to drive the bus either. So he just gives up on that idea pretty quickly. He would ask for the media to go away or step back, but they didn't. So he aims the gun at the media and shoots. He didn't get anyone, thankfully, but still nothing was done. He shoots at the media and he's still not disarmed. So just so you guys have a visual, you have an armed gunman inside of the bus with 10 people inside. At this point, none none of them was released, you know, and he's already shooting. He is... Holding someone like, you know, uh, holding like someone through their shoulders, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? With a gun to their head. He is pointing the gun out. He's actually putting his hand out of the bus, pointing the gun at the police and the reporters and the people inside the bus. There, It's like in the middle of the street, you know? So you have people like coming out and it was like a residential street. So people actually live there. So they're like coming out of their houses and their apartments and like looking at the scene, what was happening. So it's a lot of civilians that could 
have been hurt by this situation and at this point it was not really escalated but let me just put it this way this will not happen in the u.s this would totally not have been allowed to happen here. hell no like hell no <laughs> no the moment they see the gun it's like oh yeah it's a black woman with a gun power that's fine in brazil like that kind of kind of brutality does still happen but it didn't happen here again yeah just because there was cameras pointing at him and he didn't want to live stream murder like that but still so his demands were not very clear but he was mostly asking for a car he could get away in um ak-47s and grenades obviously nothing that anyone would ever give him because yeah so the hostages were told to keep calm try to maintain conversations with sandro sandro however told them to cry and scream so can you imagine that mm -hmm. After one and a half hour of negotiations, Sandro released the first hostage, Carlos Leite Faria, a construction worker who left out of a window on the right side of the bus. 30 minutes later, William Zunes Yimoura, a student, was released. He made Janaina write on the windows with lipstick. Uh, first, he made her write, he's going to kill us at 6 p.m. on the windshield of the bus. Then, he is possessed by the devil on one of the right side windows of the bus. Although the situation was very nerve-wracking, she still had a clarity of writing the message with the letters reversed, so it could be read from the outside. Well, I could not imagine that. I could not, like, not in a house situation do that. Like, just reverse the letters. I so hard to write thought. backwards. It's, yeah. Well. She did, like, she did the S's and everything. Like, she was, she did good. But... Yeah. So, as he held Janaina hostage, he yelled out of the window multiple times calling for Aunt Ivoni, which is the artist, activist, social worker we all know from Candelaria. Mm -hmm. She, however, was very far away, and he was never notified of his request as the situation was ongoing. She only found out about what Sandra had done later that night. She believes that she would have been able to negotiate with him had she been contacted that day. Yeah. But, like... At the same time, like, how would they notify her? Like, they don't know her. They don't know him. Yeah, they didn't know his name or anything, you know. But I feel like there's a lot of people watching, you know what I mean? Someone must have known. Like, well, Ivoni works with homeless people. This guy looks homeless. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like it's a huge leap Or maybe take, people weren't, you just, know? weren't taking him seriously. Yeah. There's a possibility, so, too. So, he was holding Janaina with a gun aimed at her. He put a sheet over her head, making it clear for everyone watching who would be killed first. Luana looked looked him in the eye and told him, You're not going to kill her. And he said, I'm not going to kill her. But then, he looked out of the window and yelled, You people don't believe me? You don't believe I'll shoot? I'll count to 100 and she is dead. So, he puts Janaina on the ground and starts counting to 10. Then he skips to 40. 60, 100, and shoots. From the outside, they saw him shooting to the ground where Janaina was. And for the outside, she was dead. However, he didn't really shoot her. He aimed at the ground next to her. It was all an act, so police would take him seriously. What's interesting is that the hostages play along. They don't tell whether she's alive or not. There's something I cannot explain. Like... The hostages were playing along with 
everything that Sandra was doing, which is understandable because, you know, they don't know if he is for real, if he's shooting, whatever. But throughout the whole thing, they're talking to Sandra and, you know, they're establishing, like, connections with him. Like, Luana, she actually bonds with, like, the with him, like, in the middle of the hostage situation. Like, they give him jewelry. Like, yeah, here's this, you know, the Virgin Mary, like, like a little medal. They give it to him and he's like, oh, thank you. You know, like, and... Uh, they bond over like them being born at the same place and he had been at Pookie not as a student but like as you know he was receiving some benefits from Pookie and she was like yeah I'm a student at Pookie and he was like oh well well you know whatever and like just her looking at him and being like you're not gonna kill her and then he goes yeah I'm not gonna kill her this follows with that you know and yeah and like, they say multiple times that it's, like, we all think that we can escape, you know? And he, like, he kind of designated, like, a point of the bus to be the bathroom. And that would be, like, a, the bathroom was at the door of the bus. So, they go, like, well, can I just leave? And then he goes, like, yeah, you can just leave. You know, but they don't leave. Because they're playing along with the situation. And they're trusting that the police is going to handle it, basically. Because they're afraid that if they step out of, you know, the status quo that's happening in that bus, that they're going to get shot, you know? But I feel like at this point, they understand that there's more more of an act that he's putting to the media, you know? And that they will probably not get killed because he, he wants to be taken seriously, you know? But he's not willing to do it much. And he actually tells... um them that he doesn't want to kill any of them you know even though he's saying like i'm gonna kill all of you at six like he doesn't mean it like they know that so it's interesting like this kind of trust that they put onto sandro mm-hmm. i don't know if i would have been able to do that myself i would have been like you fuck know? this i am out and jump out of the window <laughs> no just kidding i have no survival instincts <laughs> yeah. Who am I joking? yeah me neither I would probably not survive if I jumped out of a window, you know. I wouldn't be able to go through one for <laughs> once. Shut so, up. Oh, my God. Yeah. I cannot with you. No, really. Like, they don't open that much. I cannot with and it's, you, Karen. And I'm, like, four feet tall. Like, I'm going to break my legs or something. You can run away. So, it is not 6 o'clock still, though. And he keeps saying that when 6 comes around, everyone will be killed. And that's when one of the hostages, Damiana starts feeling ill she had had two strokes in the past and she was having a third one right then and there so the passengers all try to convince sandro to let damiana go and he goes out of the window and yells like do you want to wait and see see what happens at six o'clock i'm gonna pop everyone's heads and one of them is already having a stroke in here so yeah then the negotiations like intensify a lot because you know there's uh, a person that's ill inside the bus and the negotiators are able to convince him to let her out uh, but she wasn't really okay but again more on that later so six o'clock com- comes around and nothing happens surprise sandro decided that he needed to get out of the bus and he basically in immediate mode with a gun and chose someone who he- who he could use as a shield walking out of the bus I don't know why he really, like, wanted to get out. I think he was tired, you know, and because this was six, it was almost seven o'clock. The uh, hostage situation started at two, you know, so it's really 
a lot of nerves and you know it was really tense so i think he was really wanting to like end the situation so but i I can really find any information on that so he chooses someone and that person is luana but she pleads for his life she basically like hugs his arm like holding the gun and um he listens to her and he chooses someone else jayza now the gun was pointed to her stomach and he walks out of the bus holding jayza in front of him he was talking to two boppy officers we're gonna explain what boppy is a little after a little later but when uh, an officer approaches the two his name is marcelo Oliveira dos santos he was close uh really close to like sandra's face when he attempts to shoot him in the head the bullet however only grazed jesus chin the officer missed the shot yeah uh sandra goes down with jesa and as they fall the gun goes off it's not clear if he actually wanted to shoot her or not it seemed to me carol that he ducked as a result of the loud noise And the gun might have went out on purpose or accidentally. Both seem plausible to me. Yeah. Yeah. So this scene, I remember, I'm seeing it in my head. Because this scene was played on like an eternal loop on every single news station at the time. Guys. Every single one of them. Yeah. Yeah, remember that. All this had been live streamed for hours. So you turn the TV that is on every single channel when yes every single channel was there so they separate jesa from sandra carrying her to an ambulance meanwhile the mob that had been gathered around the bus start lynching sandra however Mm -hmm. police was able to get him and put him on one of the um so we have these you know we have ford explorers here for police officers it's sort of like that, but mm-hmm. the back of the car yeah, like is big, empty, yeah. so they can just throw people in there and lock the car. Mm-hmm. Um, the mob followed. Inside a car, Sandra was put on a chokehold and was suffocated, dying as a result of that. Jayza died on the way to the hospital at 6.50 p.m., uh, and she was buried on her home state of Ceará, where 3,000 people attended her funeral. Damiana spent years without the ability to walk or talk. As a result of the stroke, the stroke, her recovery came after her daughter got pregnant and gave birth to a child that had disabilities. Damiana says that the moment she saw the kid, she knew she had to take care of the kid. She says that the kid was a gift from God to give her strength. Uh, the kid passed away at only seven years old, and by then, Damiana was walking and talking again. Damiana says that she cannot understand why the police let the situation escalate to that proportion. <laughs> I can't even like yeah she says that the guy put his arm hand out of the bus many times they could have easily shot him and disarmed him before anyone got hurt mm-hmm. three officers were put on trial for Sandra's death because he was already in custody when he died he was already unarmed and immobilized so why kill him the three were acquitted on all charges with the defense that he was resisting yeah. arrest biting kicking and even tried to grab one of their guns so, if you're, like, pissed at us for, like, no, I'm not going to say that. But if you noticed, there's tons of, like, technical and tactical mistakes that was done with the police. 
at this whole situation like when it was happening like as we said before it would not happen in the united states it's just i can't, I can't understand like why they think they thought it was a good idea you know what i mean to or, or they just handled it so badly so badly guys so let's talk a little bit a little bit about those issues so coronel rene alonso he was a captain of poppy at the time said that while the operation was ongoing, him and his officers knew that they were failing. They knew that their tactical and technical procedures were not up to date, meaning we think that they were not trained for a situation like that. So BOPI is like the battalion for special operations. He wor They work as like our version of SWAT, basically. And they were created in the early 90s when it became clear to the regular police that they were not really equipped to you know, deal with more delicate situations like this one of the bus and prison riots and basically any more delicate situation like that. So they put their best officers in, in the troops and uh, they get the nickname of the elite troop. And there's a movie about them. Is, is that the name? It, elite troop? In no, English? it's Elite Squad. Elite Squad, yeah. okay. So they implant a whole nother institution that still fails miserably on what they're implanted to do, basically. Now, Bopi traditionally deals with uh, drug dealers and situations inside the favelas. So maybe that's why they were not ready for a hostage situation. A hostage situation with, with you know, regular civilians and people that actually care about, you know, because... I'm going to just go ahead and say, if you're going to the favelas, they don't really care about, you know, civilians being yeah. killed because everybody is a potential suspect exactly, in a favela, yeah. which I don't agree with. But if you're in a bus, it's really very, very clear, clear who is the suspect and who is not. So just saying. So this incident uh, helped Bobby recognize that they were very unprepared. And since then, they have invested a lot of time and resources in training and readiness for situations like 174. And ever since then, they have improved dramatically. They now know how to get hostages out of their of, out of that kind of situation alive. And they have been doing a great job since. Congratulations on doing your job. Yeah. But, I mean, it's good that they improved. And I don't know how a recent that video was that i saw with this uh the captain of the bobby saying that like yeah like ever since then all the hostages situations that we dealed with no no hostages uh, lost their life i want to believe that maybe you know if they know how to deal with that but again very similar case happens after this one we refer to our 50th episode that doesn't happen yet hadn't happened yet that we're gonna cover soon my english is quitting mm. yeah can i just say oh. all of this that you just said about bobby reminded me of that scene where um when ryan goes to corporate in the office and um jim makes a sale and like he calls jim and jim's like oh hey ryan and then ryan's like Oh, I wanted to congratulate you on this. And Jim goes, Oh, thank you. And he goes, Congratulations <laughs> on doing your job. That's me. <laughs> that is me. So yeah. Yeah. when Marcelo approached Sunder to shoot him, the gun wasn't loaded. So it was semi a semi automatic gun, and you need to click it with your thumb before you shoot, obviously. Obviously, to someone that has shot that. I had not. 
that yeah no like like if you're holding it like you're holding like the barrel you know what i mean like you need to like the you need to click it like the the loading thing is like on your thumb and you need to, like Kara has shot many guns before like you need to click it with your thumb i've only ever shoot. shot a glock so i don't know what you're talking about um so yeah. that makes uh some noise and wastes a valuable second when you're in a tactical situation he did that right in front of sandro giving him enough time for a reaction also he was aiming at his shoulder and not his head so there's a little bit of controversy as to whether or not there were explicit orders for the officers to kill Sandro. The captain of the operation says that there were no orders, but the officers says say otherwise. The officers say otherwise. It's just hard to believe that a trained officer would make that kind of decision, walk up to the guy holding a fucking hostage and shoot. Yeah. And Boppy is known for not moving ever without orders. Yeah. So a boppy captain coming out saying like yeah I didn't ask the guy to kill yeah the kid it's, it's very doesn't, it doesn't no <laughs> very unlikely at the time this was all happening sniper rifles and trained shooters were available as well as many possible points around the bus that could have been used to shoot him while the situation was ongoing after the mm-hmm. incident there were tests made using the same bus the hostages were kept in where targets were put at some of the locations of the bus where a sniper could have shot Sandro. So, like, when he was against one of the windows or standing at the back of the bus, for instance, and the shots that were fired at those targets were on point. But that the order for that was never given. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it, it would happen in the U. I feel like if this was in the United States the situation will be done like on the first hour because a sniper would have shot the guy yeah mm-hmm. you know yeah it would have been like boom and okay, the goodbye. shots were like yeah yeah it was like really precise it wasn't like not there was i think they show like at least like 10 points where a sniper could have like had easy access to the bus and just shoot you know and they had like you know sniper rifles like on them basically and trained officers and they just didn't do anything because, you know, I think they just didn't want that to be live streamed on TV, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know if it would just look good for them to do that. You know, just kill this guy. They don't know who this guy is. You know, they... Like, you don't know, you know? I feel like they... They... I don't know if they didn't believe that he was going to do something bad. That was, he was going to really kill someone, you know? Because they could just look at him and be like, yeah, he's all talk. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to let all the hostages go. Like, this guy's weak. We can crack him and not kill them kind of thing. Because that would be live streamed to everyone's TV sets. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every corner, every little piece of Brazil has, is watching now. So it's it's really complicated, you know. It's easy to say like, yes, you totally should have, you know, sniped the guy, but it really, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and like it's one of those things also where uh, police in Brazil, as you might have noticed, they're not known for being very friendly, especially to yeah. black and brown people. So they probably didn't want to tarnish their image even further. I think I think that that's what's yeah you know yeah but 
this is gonna sound a little controversial it's not like the guy looked like he was you know the guy looked like a criminal you know not because of the color of his skin but like he had like stuff around his head like he was he looked you know he was like holding a gun you know what i mean like he it's almost comical like it's almost like a character a caricature you know what i mean yeah like yeah so i mean it's tough to make that kind of observation you know but i don't know i feel like they still didn't uh do what they were supposed to do yeah at the time for sure so the case stirred a lot of debate mainly focused on sandro so he was a survivor of condelaria right once that became known like while it was ongoing i don't think it was known for everyone but once that got to the media oh my god right so the debate was like what is he just a bad guy you know this is a horrible person or was he someone who society has failed over and over eventually costing his own life and someone's uh who didn't have anything to do with situation life her because jayza she was also pregnant so that's technically two yeah you know what i mean so yeah i want to give my opinion about this but uh here's what one of the hostages luana has to say so she says that there are two big victims here him and jayza him because he is a victim of the system and jayza obviously because she was killed she says that uh he could have gone a different route in his life he could have made better choices sure but if he did if he didn't probably that means that he didn't have the option to choose a better life yeah and i think that's really something to keep in mind when you talk about that it's you know and luana even says that like it's a this is a person that has complicated and intricate emotions and has a complicated past you know like would anyone be better off like if they had been through the same you know you're talking about years of homelessness you know almost 10 years of homelessness as a child you're talking about drug addiction you're talking about witnessing how many murders yeah and like this is not to say that like everybody that <laughs> that survived Candelaria became like a criminal or something, but it's really yeah. like if you think about how negligent the state was to these kids, like it yeah. makes sense in a way. Like a lot of them, uh, when I was uh, researching Candelaria, a lot of them turned their lives around. They have like good jobs a lot of them are very well yeah, educated totally. but not everybody is strong enough for that like not everybody can overcome yeah. that type of stuff it's it's that yeah. whole story that oh just because you're born uh poor and like in a favela doesn't mean that you have to become a drug dealer but mm -hmm. some people just do it you know not everybody yeah it's like i think it's very easy for us to sit here in our high horses and be like well but you know we had all the opportunities to be bad people and we're not well good for us but not everybody is like us yeah but i don't think it's about the opportunity to be a bad person but the opportunity to be a good person like how many opportunities did that guy have really exactly you know and yeah and he has he had in the past approached ivoni and asked for like you know help and a job and he had tried to get off drugs you know and i think that probably 
during the situation he was high on something you know and i don't know if there was like any autopsies done and maybe like the high was you know you know burning out by the time the situation ended you know and here's the thing though i really don't believe that he got in the bus with the intention of doing that i don't know if he was there to steal you know he, he was i don't know but like i feel like the situation happened when the police got there you know when he felt threatened and here's something that also gets mentioned a lot sandra was a person that never really had any kind of lead roles in his own life mm -hmm. you know what i mean like he never really had any you know control over anything really and then suddenly like split second he's put in the situation where you have tons of cameras pointed at him and the police is giving him attention right it's a negative attention but it is uh the whole country is looking at him he's live streaming this whole thing and he like he for the first time is being paid attention to yeah you know exactly he doesn't know how to deal with that like he was ne he never had any attention and all of a sudden he is the you know the only person that people are talking about in the whole country yep right So that messes up with someone, even though he doesn't have the notion of like the dimension that everything was taking, I believe, as the thing was happening. But just to see the crowd outside of the bus, guys, it was a crowd. Like, yeah, it was a ton of people. The crowd was so, yeah, the crowd was so big that the hostages, they couldn't get out of the bus. Yeah. They couldn't. They had to move the bus somewhere else. So the uh, the whole thing was over. But the hostages were still in the bus. They had to like drive the bus somewhere else to get them out safely, because of people that were just the the reporters. Everyone would just harass them as they got out. So that's really sad to see that piece of the footage, of the is the moment where everything is over, where they hear the shots. Because that's just bizarre. They heard the shots. They ran. As the direction of the shots. Not away from the shots. They ran yeah. to the bus. It's crazy. Yeah, not away. They ran, yeah. And they immediately, like, put the microphones, like, inside the bus, basically, to try to get a statement from the victims. Like, the thing just over. And it's predatorial, you know, but it's, they're doing their jobs. You know, if they don't do that, the rival new stations gonna do that and they they don't have the story and they lose their jobs you know what i mean so it's just the way the media universe is i think which i mean i love to say that this was the last time this kind of predatorial media thing happened but it's not again refer to my big case that's gonna happen soon yep. here on the 15th exactly but yeah and that one was even worse you guys but it's i mean i I feel like I heard that somewhere that they study these kind of cases when you're in um, journalism school to like learn ethics and stuff and how the reporters can change the the outcome of a case yeah. by reporting. Just speaking of that, when I was researching Candelaria, uh, one of the reporters uh, said that the pressure of the media was what led to three people that were innocent being arrested 
Um, so if the media wasn't so yeah. hungry for information that would finally solve the crime, and if they weren't pressuring, mm-hmm. of course, there's botch police jobs. And of course, there mm-hmm. were the witnesses so, yeah. that identified the wrong people. But if the media hadn't been so adamant about like, yes, we need blood right now, maybe they would have taken one extra second and mm-hmm. taken a step back and being like, wait a minute. This isn't right. Let the police do their job. Yeah. yeah. So. So, yeah, it's sad, but it's true and it's true crime. And, it's, and this is shit that's still happening, yeah. guys. It's like uh, when we were talking about him being suffocated, it reminded me of this poor dude who was literally suffocated at a supermarket in Brazil maybe a month ago. Yes. Like he literally yes. was held in a chokehold. And suffocated by the security guard for no fucking reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, if we were to talk about every recent case that happened in Brazil, you guys... would be depressed. We'd be here forever. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it sucks to see that the times change, the world changes, everything changes, but the attitudes and the issues and the crimes are still the same yeah it don't matter it's awful man yeah and this was like what 20 years ago almost and it's yeah almost 20 years ago still these things are still happening (laughs) it sucks it's yeah the 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 the, the, yeah Uh, i don't know what's worse here the hostage situation or the media like honestly and uh, i don't know i'm gonna delete that that's too complicated to explain so I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at pictures for our Instagram post and this is not good, not good at all. Kundalini, yeah, because I haven't really because remember how you've only got there right when it happened. Well, the media got there yeah. right when it happened. I forgot to say. So the media got there, took pictures of everything. Police looked over the scene took the bodies away, and just left them. Her and all the children just sitting there. So, um, you should probably cut this and put it on the other episode. Sorry. I, th- <laughs> I just remembered this. So, she says that they she was just sitting there hugging the kids and that they had no idea if whoever shot the kids before was going to come back and shoot again. Mm-hmm. They are just sitting there, just in silence. And then finally at 6 a.m., she decided to take them um where'd she take them i think she took them to like a a shelter or something but Mm -hmm. uh she drove them like six kids in in her car like back and forth back and forth back and forth until all of them were out of there which is yeah do the pictures of the bodies like yeah like little babies little yeah it's crazy but you know I'm sure if 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 not if I know that God is real, God might not be the Christian God, God might not be associated to a religion, but God's out there and this is one of the people that he's really watching out for. This woman cuz she's great. No, if one is really and it sucks that you get involved with two big crimes like that. You know, but 
I really wish that she would have gotten there earlier because maybe she would have been able to, like, be with Sandro and, you know, maybe he would have, you know, recovered from drug addiction and, you know, psychologically, you know, get some strength and maybe, you know, become a, I won't say righteous, but, you know, do better in life. Yeah. You know, maybe that would have happened and we can only hope, you know, that people that actually because here's the thing there's many kids of the you know candelaria and many sandras out there you know what i mean people that are just like desensitized and just marked by violence you know today and not only brazil but many countries and you know it's important to like humanize them and like know that you know these people have emotions just like we do you know what i mean like the it's Com- it's really complicated to like just brand someone as evil or yeah this is a criminal and this is not a criminal and then i mean like it's way more complicated than that you know people have motives people have intricate emotions and feelings and and pasts that no one's aware of most of the time until shit like that happens and then you find out like oh yeah this guy witnessed her his mom being murdered in front of him and his essentially siblings being murdered in front of him like yeah this impossible to recover i would say but yeah and like when i was um looking this up this whole story up you know how people you know how people are disgusting (laughs) some people um i came across some comments where people were like well you know the cops did a did us a favor they killed all of these kids who would have just grown up to be oh, robbers and kidnappers. Oh, and didn't you see that one guy? He killed the teacher. And so, yeah, the cops did us a favor when they killed all these kids at Candelaria. And I was like, wow. Jesus Christ. Wow. Oh, and also, I want to, like, make one thing clear. Like, what I said, that they should have shot Sandro. Like... I feel like, you know, I said that every, everything is more complicated than it seems, but in a situation like that, that, you know, it's lucky that the, as soon as didn't really, like, shoot everyone at six like he had promised, you know? Yeah. But this is a very serious threat, and us looking from outside, knowing that nothing really happened like that inside of the bus, you know, the cops didn't know when it was happening, you know? So they had the opportunity to like prevent the situation of possibly escalating and they didn't. So that's what criticism, you know. So Yeah. It's not like that I think that Sandro deserved to be killed. Yeah, no, especially you know? cuz like shooting him, you don't like if you're a decent cop, you're not going to shoot someone to kill them. You're mm-hmm. going to shoot someone to, you know, immobilize them make sure that they're they can't yeah do anything make sure else. that no one else gets hurt. yeah exactly so yeah i don't know i just think that the situation just moved way too slow and it's impossible man yeah exactly i know because of this one the one big case that i <laughs> that i want to talk but there's this one brazilian guy that he worked for what's the i think it was either the fbi or swat here in the u.s and he commented on that one case 
around the time that it happened and like criticizing like the tactics and stuff and he was talking about like okay so this is how i would have approached this you know with the fbi's mentality you know what i mean like this is how we approach this kind of situation so i wonder i wonder if he has anything on uh the bus episode that's interesting i don't remember what the guy's name is and we're gonna talk about him when the time comes but it just sucks and i feel like if they shot if they had um disarmed sandro or shot him that jayza would still be alive you know? yeah me too and so and too. damiana wouldn't have had the stroke so it's a lot of trauma you know just for the sake of one organization i think yeah and like so could have been so like different <sighs> yeah could have been a lot worse well, guys, <laughs> we hope you yeah. enjoyed these Ooh. two episodes that are linked. No, actually, we hope you didn't enjoy this because this was really... <laughs> yeah, no, no, I don't hope you enjoy it in a way... Yeah, but, you know, like... Yeah, the whatever entertainment value this has. Yeah, it's like, I hope this served uh, to, like, enlighten you about a new case or maybe yeah. about something that you had never thought about before. And if you have heard of these cases before, if you've seen the movie or the documentary about the bus, let us know what you thought. Mm -hmm. I personally haven't seen them. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure if I know more, there's a movie about the bus. Like they did like a reenactment, like a whole thing. Yeah, no, no, no. I didn't watch it. Yeah, because I did. I don't like taint. I don't know how uh, factual it the is. The only reason why so. I know about the movie is because recently one of the actors that was on. Um, on that movie died so i saw like a little mm. clip about it i was like oh that actor mm -hmm. uh kai junkater um yeah i was mm. like oh hoo, hoo, him he died a really ugly death too a car crash and it was yeah. caught on um oh, it was no. caught on like cctv when his car <gasps> like hit a, a tree it was very ugly but um mm. yeah i haven't seen it uh yet i plan on doing it um just because um yeah mm -hmm. so if you have seen it let us know yeah yeah so yeah you guys i hope you guys enjoyed this i mean enjoyed it quote unquote uh, you already said that yeah that sucked I'm yeah no 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 yeah so uh here's <laughs> yeah. to carol having an amazing vacation and yeah here's to my vacation you guys go to my, go to my instagram to find out what mystery location that is yeah and and uh, yeah I mean, I'm going to do a shout out to another random location because okay. I don't have a microphone, so I cannot shout out um, any actual people names yeah. this week. Any, I mean, I'm shouting out actual people because if you hear yourself, okay, <sighs> you can actually send us a tip. Okay. All right. So uh, let me see who we're talking about this week. We're talking about our listeners in Blackwood. Where is Blackwood? Oh, I clicked on it. Blackwood, uh, Wales. Yeah, Blackwood, Wales. Hello, Hello you guys. Hello, people. Yeah. How's it hanging? Much so. better than here, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. Probably. Anyways, I hope you guys in Blackwood have a good time. The rest of you, not really. Oh, so, yeah. Rude. 
<laughs> rude okay huh all right i hope you guys have a good end of, uh, hope you guys have a good end of the world yep till next time yeah. later haters mm-hmm. bye till next time later bye ciao Thank you for listening to another episode of Suspiria, a true crime podcast. If you are a creep and enjoy listening to all of that horrible information, please check out our previous episodes and write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And also follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Suspiria Podcast. Facebook is also Suspiria Podcast. If you want to follow Carol, you can follow her at Suspiria Carol. And you can follow me at eu.steph. Note, none of us post anything interesting. We do, actually. If you have any case suggestions, feel free to drop them over at SuspiriaPodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to be part of this podcast, you can also email us. We promise we won't bite. Ciao. Oops, I did it again. I play with your heart. Got lost in the game, baby, baby. Oops, I think I'm I don't know the lyrics. I'm so sorry. Are you kidding me?